This podcast is a part of Straight Up Strange Productions. Discover more shows like this one at straightupstrange.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Folklore on the Rocks. I'm Logan. I'm Lindsay. Yes, indeed. (laughs) And we are back once again with some great stories. Oh, are we ever. Oh, yeah. These were a good setup. (laughs) Yeah. And these were ones that were submitted to us. And so we're happy to share them. Our modern folklore. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. I mean, I guess we can just hop right into our cocktail for the evening i mean you can tell us where you've been for the past week oh where have i been indeed <laughs> i i have been uh actually uh, okay so i know everyone that can't see me but i am uh in addition to still not having a beard i am now very sunburned uh because i just got back <laughs> from florida i went down on a great trip to the florida keys uh looking for the ghost of black caesar and the skunk ape but did not find any but i saw some other really cool stuff i saw sea turtles <laughs> i saw I saw a lot of lizards, both native and invasive. I saw, I saw, Lindsay, I saw a Nile monitor lizard and it was huge. It was huge, gigantic, gigantic, huge, gigantic, smashed into a portmanteau. It's even bigger than huge and gigantic. Yes. Yes. It it, it was, (laughs) it was pretty, pretty huge. Was like nine-year-old Logan inside you kind of freaking out a little bit? Yeah. It's like, dude, dude, he's a dinosaur. It's totally a dinosaur. It's. (laughs) But um, did not see any saltwater crocodiles or alligators. But uh, I kind of figure that if you don't see them, they're doing their job. They are. That's true. Yeah, they're They're very good at that. Ambush predators. And really, if you can see them, uh, they're not they're not really exceeding at that. So hats off to everything I didn't see in Florida. (laughs) And it's good to be back. Did you go looking for them? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, We went snorkeling and a lot of hiking and I uh, went stand up paddle boarding and was warned about them a great deal, but didn't see anything. (laughs) Darn. Yeah. You didn't almost die. Still a great trip. The people were friendly. The sun was shining and the drinks were strong. So uh, go back again in a heartbeat. (laughs) Exactly the things you want from a trip, right? (laughs) Exactly. Cool. Um, well, I've been boring while you've been adventuring. So that's, that's fun. No way. I'm going, I'm going camping <laughs> hey, next weekend, so I'm, that's going to be fun. Lindsay, I, I don't know if in the time that we've been friends, uh, you've been camping. I actually go camping quite a bit. Really? Um, it's just glamping, though. Hey, that totally counts. <laughs> if you get out into nature, it, it counts for something. Whatever you no, choose it, to it's, do. It's more the like being able to just sit outside in the mountains and chill. You know? Yeah. I, I love it. So we go, and I just go with my family usually, and they they have like the super like fancy pants trailer and stuff. So it's not really camping, camping, you know. I'm not roughing it by any means. Ah, but, oh, but you're still out there. You're still not home. There, yeah. yeah, it's true, and it's nice. It's a nice, it's a nice getaway. Um, well, cool. So. That's really, that's very exciting. That. We've got some killer yeah. camping spots here in Utah. Um, we really do. Yeah. Our when when springtime hits here, all of our canyons open up. Uh, we've got some really good spots in the mountains once the snow melts. Uh, it's very exciting. So good on you, Linz. We want to hear all about your camping adventures when you go. Yeah, it'll probably be really boring, but you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know. 
I'm going to read a lot of books. Well, I hope it's serene and relaxing and and inspiring in its own way. That's the goal. Yeah. But anyway, uh, (laughs) so let's talk about our cocktail. Yeah, let's have a drink. We are just doing a very classic cocktail. Um, I kind of want to keep doing classic ones that go with our modern folklore because, you know, they're modern cocktails. They're it's a good known. pairing, yeah. And and yeah. really, um, not everyone has had a chance to have the classics. Uh, Very true. Whether, whether your drinking experience has been really beer pong at, in college or mixing your own drinks at home, sometimes you may have skipped some of the, the tried and true recipes out there. So it's good to visit those as well. Yeah, and maybe you don't know you know, a good recipe for one of these things. Like you've tried it and you didn't like it, but maybe you want to try it again with a actual recommended recipe, not just something that your friend put together over in the corner. You yeah. Know, yeah. You got to, they it, were already drunk. It's <laughs> like jazz music or impressionist painting. You got to know the rules before you can break them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So what's our drink, Lindsay? Our drink is the Manhattan. Ooh, classy, yeah. classy. Super classy and very tasty, actually. The recipe that we're using uh, uses bourbon, but you can use rye whiskey if you prefer. I think the drink was like originally built or or created with rye whiskey in mind. But like I said, for this recipe, we're using bourbon. So it's two ounces of bourbon, one ounce of sweet vermouth, which you, if you made last week's cocktail, you have some sweet vermouth. Yeah. Hopefully you Yay. didn't finish it all. Or if you did, I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> it's kind of hard to finish the giant bottle. You really got to want it. if you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, two-ish dashes of bitters. Um, just Angostura is usually everyone's go-to. I don't really know that I've seen any other bitters. I'm not honestly, sure I'm familiar so. with any other. I know bitter <laughs> things, but probably better to go with the... The things that have already been tested again. (laughs) Yeah, the brand ones. (laughs) Okay, so to make it, you pour your bourbon, your vermouth, and your bitters into a cocktail shaker that's filled with ice. Um, You stir it well for at least like 15 seconds, and then you strain it into your glass, um, typically like a coupe glass, Mm -hmm. and then just garnish it with a cherry or an orange peel. The flavor of this drink can actually really change depending on the type of bourbon and vermouth that you use. So we definitely recommend experimenting. Yeah, it has a lot of character that can change depending on what you put into it. Yeah, just the flavor. Like some you might like and some you might not like depending on what you put in it, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, we are using Maker's Mark and Carpano Antica Formula. It's an Italian vermouth. So if you want, you can go out and just grab those things. And you know, and if you Lindsay, want else, we can't no <laughs> we can't have foreign language uh, alcohol on here and not say the name in a funny way. So, <laughs> all right, Lindsay, all right, your best Italian accent. What you got for us? Carpano antica formula. <laughs> Carpano antica. See, it's so fun to say. That was probably terrible. I'm sorry to every Italian. Well, the, the, the trick to it is in, the, in your mind before saying whatever you're going to say, you just start with, it's a me, Mario, and then go from there. <laughs> it's a valid point. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, back to Manhattan. So they, yeah. <laughs> like I said, they were originally made with rye, but recently bourbon has been, it's risen in popularity because it's, a little bit sweeter than rye is. Yeah. So if you haven't had a Manhattan before, I would recommend using bourbon instead um, just because it, it tends to be a little bit more palatable. It can be kind of an acquired taste. 
But I did want to mention that if if you aren't familiar with the difference between bourbon and rye whiskey, we can enlighten you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so here is a very basic breakdown. Bourbon is American-made whiskey. Um, yes, that's right. Bourbon is a whiskey. Yep. A lot of people don't know that or haven't, you know, been told that yet. Um, but basically, it bourbon is made with at least 51% corn mash. And then rye is also also a whiskey, and it's made with at least 51% rye mash. So basically, the difference is just their main ingredient. But they are both both whiskey. They're just different types. Yeah. And if you're really so. going to want to get nitpicky about it, different spellings as well. <laughs> one with an E and one with not an E. <laughs> yes, but both are good. <laughs> they, they really are. I mean... Um, if you ever have the chance to go to a whiskey tasting or you go to a friend's house that has a load of whiskey that knows what's up, you know, taste all the different varieties and see what you, see what you like. But this recipe specifically was recommended to us as his favorite Manhattan recipe by our resident cocktail expert, Anubis. Yeah, so good old Anubis. That, that dude knows his drinks. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, really it's funny. I... I I definitely hear you when you say that both uh, both kinds of whiskey are really an acquired taste. You, they, you have to let them kind of grow mm-hmm. on you. For me, it was a deliberate experience. Uh, I didn't didn't like whiskey. Couldn't see why people liked it. Just didn't understand it until my friend Dimitri and I decided we were going to binge watch the HBO series Deadwood, which is <laughs> an excellent backdrop to sampling different flavors of whiskey. I can definitely see that. And so, yeah, now I, I like to think I'm I'm not completely ignorant of <laughs> what I like out there. I, I know that I've had um, a whiskey tasting at our friend Anubis's house, actually, and um, it was enlightening to say yeah. the least he's a cool um, guy <laughs> he is and whiskeys are strong you know but when you have little bits and little bits and little bits you can definitely taste the difference in oh them. yeah whiskey drunk and is a very tell. special drunk yeah. <laughs> yeah but you can really you can tell which you like more and which you don't i learned that i like expensive whiskey apparently that is a pretty <laughs> common thread when when tasting yep. for different varieties <laughs> But it is it is a really good way of, of finding out what you like. Um, some whiskeys are better for actual mixing and drinks, and some are better to just drink straight yeah. up. You know, as a general rule, if it's in a plastic bottle, pass on mm, it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Unless it's vodka and you're using it as some sort of cleaning. Yeah, thing. Then and definitely buy the cheap stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna drink that? Not so much. <laughs> Anyway, so that is our cocktail for this evening. We yeah, are pour one it. and enjoy it's it. Delightful. <laughs> we highly recommend it. And I think that that leads us right into our first story. Yeah, think? we've got stories. We've got the two of us. We are ready to roll. Woo. So what's right. our first story? Our first story is called The Moment Before You Fall Asleep. And it is by you slash Stormrider66 from Reddit. And Logan is going to narrate it for us now. All right, let's give it a listen. Hope he does a good job. (laughs) That moment before you fall asleep. My name is Tyrone Vickers. My life is very plain and ordinary. The most interesting things to happen to me in my life would be basketball scholarship to New York State. I was elected prom king, and finally I won $100 with a scratch and win. 
See? Very pedestrian and boring. I've been restless the last couple of weeks, and I'm getting desperate for an answer. As I've been awake at night, I've been going through older files and stuff that has been passed down over time. Anyway, I'm not here to talk about myself. I'm here to talk about some of the journals I've found. They belong to my grandfather, Jamar Vickers. Oh, don't worry. He's fine. He's even the superintendent for a private branch of schools in Brooklyn. His journals are from when he was in high school. I've included only entries that I think are of interest. December 13th, 1973. I've been having a really hard time trying to fall asleep. I'm looking at my clock. It says 3.24 a.m. Tomorrow's Friday. I have a final exam in four and a half hours. It's like there's a voice calling me to stay awake. December 20th, 1973. I can't take the stress anymore. I'm exhausted. My grades have been on the decline. I'm at risk to lose my potential scholarships. I'm fairly certain that I've bombed that last exam. My parents will be so pissed. If I know my mother, she will fight to let me retake it. It won't do me any good if I don't fix this problem. I need to cure my insomnia. December 22nd, 1973. It happened. My parents got the call. My dad was pissed, shouting like he usually does. My mom, however, was willing to listen to what I had to say. She agreed to take me to the doctor. My health is deteriorating, and I'm looking ill. Not helping matters is that Karen just dumped me. Says I haven't been myself lately. She thought I was failing on purpose to get held back a year just for her. She doesn't want to feel responsible for me missing out on an education scholarship. If she only knew. This won't make anything better, but if the meds work, then I can get back on track. Karen McIntyre, I'll prove myself to you. December 24th, 1973. I finally fell asleep last night. And all of yesterday as well. We were warned that it was a side effect of the drug. The dreams were weird and a little off-putting, but at least I feel rested. The school board have allowed me to retest after Christmas break, given that it was medical reasons. January 4th, 1974. So now I have a new problem. Well, two. The first one is that I just found out that Karen has started dating someone else. Stephen Wilmack, the biggest prick in the whole school. He's a senior like me. He's going off for his law degree next year. I don't even know what she would even see in that guy. Is it because her parents would approve? He's not black. Mixing of colors is frowned upon in the traditional McIntyre household. Bill never approved of me. The other problem is those weird dreams uh, have been getting worse and worse. They've escalated so quickly from uncomfortable to bad dreams to nightmares, and then finally night terrors. I think it might be the new meds. Now I'm getting almost as little sleep with the added bonus of pants-shitting terror at night. I'll give it another night to see. January 5th, 1974. At first, last night's dream was pretty good. I was back with Karen and things were going good. It took a bad turn when Stephen walked up and knocked me on my ass. He was always a hard hitter, I found out in the past. Some unseen force kept me pinned down as he looked me dead in the eye and made love to her in front of me. He never lost his smirk or eye contact. When they were done, it took only seconds for her belly to swell up to full size. Stephen left her on the ground as she screamed in agony. 
He walked away, turning his head to say, Now they're your problem, and waved goodbye. The pain she went through was killing me inside. I still couldn't move. In a gruesome display of gore, her stomach burst open. She was done. There were two things that stood upright. They rapidly aged from babies to full-grown men in about 30 seconds. The one child had ghostly pale skin and eyes like a black void, like he was dead. The second looked almost normal, except for the flames surrounding his body and eyes that flowed with a raging fire. I don't mean metaphorically, I mean literal flames from hell. The first one looked sorrowful, but the second reached out his hand toward me, smirking. I could feel a very realistic pressure building in my head. It built until I felt it would pop. I screamed as I woke, my head throbbing. My parents are on the other side of the house. I doubt they heard. My description of the dream doesn't do justice to just how horrifying this all was to witness. I have to get off these meds. No thanks. I'll find another way. January 22nd, 1974. We're back to square one. No nightmares, but no sleep either. My mom is a nurse and she's heard stories about a new experimental drug that affects sleep. The company is called Hypnomax. Figured you would sign me up for testing. This drug supposedly keeps you dream-free while preventing your body from moving. We're growing desperate. Tonight's the first night of experimenting. January 23rd, 1974. It happened. A dreamless sleep. My body felt so peaceful and relaxed. I feel more refreshed now than after any sleep. The doctors recommended that I should report side effects if I experience any. Right now, I feel fantastic. February 11th, 1974. I've been experiencing the side effects. I've researched sleep paralysis and the symptoms are exactly the same. I wake up, yet I'm dreaming. At least that's the way it's supposed to work. Your body gets paralyzed as you sleep to prevent you from acting out your dreams. They say that when you wake up and can't move, that that is the reason why people believe that they are being held down by ghosts or demons. It's not really a supernatural force. After I read that and it happened repeatedly, it didn't bother me. I would let it pass and continue on. No dreams, so I wouldn't see scary shit. Just my room. February 22nd, 1974. I'm just going to start getting blackout drunk. I'm not taking any more of this shit. It's been confirmed that everyone who takes it isn't dreaming. So this had to be real. I will describe this in as much detail as possible, even though it pains me to do so. I was lying in bed ready to fall asleep. I had that same feeling of paralysis that came over me many other nights. It was different this time because I hadn't drifted out of consciousness first. When this moment happened, I saw my window open. Something had waited. I saw this thing crawl in the window. It walked with a hunch, but on its hind legs. The face resembled something like a vulture, only the whites of its eyes were visible. Its wings hung heavy on its shoulders like a cape. Both of its hands and feet were bird claws and talons. It had a glowing red tongue that had a sucker with teeth like a leech. It crept up to the bed, and the tongue started reaching for my temple. I couldn't move. I couldn't get away. It stopped short of my head and retracted its tongue. It somehow managed to curl the corners of its mouth into a grin. What do we have here? It had a low, soothing baritone, which was surprising. It seems I've been spotted. This is a first. 
It ran a claw softly down my cheek. I could only sit and watch in abject horror. I must be the first of my kind to ever be spotted. Let's be clear here. You're breaking the natural order of things. It was softly stroking my head. You know that moment you go from being awake to sleeping? That haze you can never remember? Where is the line from conscious to unconscious, hmm? The thing pulled back and started pacing in my room as it exposited. The eyes were changing from white to pink to red with its building rage. It feels so good to say this to someone. The eyes turned pink. That haze is the mind's defense mechanism. It's easier to just erase that part from the memory. The probing for dreams is so painful. The eyes were red now. If you have pain, it makes the dreams turn sour. And if you're awake, then I don't get to feed. And I get really, really upset if I don't get to feed. This whole time, its face was getting close to mine. Its putrid breath was getting on my taste buds. Its eyes went white again, and its voice went back to its soothing coo. Now remember for next time you decide to stay awake. You're mine until you die. And if I catch you or your descendants like this again... Well, these claws aren't just for show. It drew blood from behind my ear and crawled back out again. When I came around to consciousness the next morning, my left ear had a huge gash behind it, and dried blood bonded me to the pillow. It was painful to remove. September 14th, 1981. I've been clean for years now. I've never really talked about my drinking problems in this journal before. I've just started my second year of teaching first grade. Of course, Karen and Stephen's girl Kaylee is going through this semester. She has a younger boy, Tommy, that will be starting in a few years. This sight might just drive me to the bottle again. My feelings can't be quelled. I've never felt happiness since the incidents a few years ago. Even if it was just a fever dream. I've gotten good at smiling again, but I'm sure you can tell it's fake if you really looked. Those were the entries of interest. Crazy dreams and whatnot were a side effect of those drugs. That was the 70s, though. Hypnomax is still around and still makes those pills. The kinks would be worked out by now over this period of time. Regardless, I knew creatures don't exist. Update. I added to this post at the last second. I got those pills. You're supposed to take them an hour before bed. I took it 45 minutes ago. My grandparents just left for the night five minutes ago. As I hugged Grandpa Jamar goodbye, I checked behind his ear. There's a huge scar. I found out too late that Hypnomax only existed for that time, and the pills are the original ones resold from the 70s. I'm getting drowsy. I think I've made a terrible mistake. I always really love when people use like journal entries as a literary device. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, it kind of adds a spacing to it and and doesn't put a lot of pressure on the writer to fill in all the gaps. It, it can yeah. keep it really just plot heavy and really... It can be a it, really hard thing to not want to do that. Yeah. So it's a great way to jump from something else and to just give the reader the actual information that they need. Yeah. And this story really used it to kind of build the drama and then basically 
was able to confirm the veracity of this journal by him seeing his grandfather's scar at the end. Yeah, that was a that was a fun little note to tie it all together and bring it into reality a little bit. Definitely. Now, what do you suppose that creature was? That's a I don't know. Yeah, man. it um, it sounds it was... sounds like a Vrock demon from D anD D, or or maybe a Skeksis from the Dark Crystal. That's exactly it, what I was It does have say. some Skeksis, it reminded me uh, kind of... of like a like a creepier Skeksis. Yeah, which is from the Dark Crystal. If you guys don't know, um, and if you don't know, you need to go watch it. If you don't know, like, now you know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think they're doing prequels to Dark Crystal, cool. actually, which I'm excited about. I heard about that a while um, ago, but haven't heard much since then. So yeah, they just to I Google. Think they just released. To, I think they just released a couple stills from it. Oh, like within the past day or two. Cool. But yeah, anyway, it reminded me of, of like a, a Skeksis, but like with that really disturbing lamprey-like appendage of a tongue. That's a yeah. That reminded me of if you're familiar Real creepy. with the strain. Um, it's a, it was a TV series, but also a book series of kind of a modern take on vampires and what the vampire myth could be. Is that Stephen King? No, that is. It might, it might not be. That is oh, Chuck Hogan. Uh, I, I, maybe we maybe we shouldn't guess. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, some famous writer. Anyway, the vampires in <laughs> the vampires in the strain had a, a proboscis kind of appendage. And it, it that's what it kind of felt like to me, it, it, like a lamprey or it's described in this story like a leech. It is this, you know, really horrible alien aberration tool for feeding. Um, Definitely. And I think what makes it one step further is it's so different from how we as humans eat. That's why lamprey mouths are, are kind of weird and icky. And any mm-hmm. mouth parts that are really different from our own. If you want to really zoom in on on an insect's mandibles, they're pretty gross. It's like looking at a turtle's throat too. Yeah, yeah. It's all it's yeah. it's alien and weird. Um, yeah, and this this idea that they're an old race, that they are something you know mm-hmm. to time immemorial, and and they intend to continue down a line. Uh, it seems like individuals may be immortal because uh, he talks about yeah. how, you know, all of the ancestors to come. It's it's a line that not he's not talking about, you know, he lays claim in the nation of whatever the night creatures are. No, he gets this guy and he gets everybody after. And that is a really mm-hmm. fun touch to sprinkle in on this monster. For sure. I mean, it was there's a lot of great potential lore on this creature and I would love to know more about it you know mm-hmm. but the, the just even the description was fantastic you know i could i could visually see in my mind this creepy skexies like creature crawling in through the window in the most disturbing way yeah you know oh and I, then sleep paralysis with that oh I mean, yeah sleep paralysis now whew. we've talked about sleep paralysis a little bit before and i i did yeah. used to suffer from it and and it's weird and creepy and every not anymore though not anymore i kind of it, it's it's Scary. pretty it's pretty common um for not necessarily mm-hmm. sleep paralysis but it's common for those affected by sleep disorders to have them mostly in their teens and then grow out of them that's a very common thing right some people are are stuck with them for their whole lives and to those people i i hope you find a way to manage it it's rough for sure uh it but can really impact <laughs> your life but <laughs> but yeah sleep paralysis is is terrifying i mean 
I, I personally have not experienced it. it. Sounds like you have. Yeah. Um, I know my sister has a couple times, but like just in general, that that lack of control and your your brain telling you that you're that you're seeing something and there may or may not actually be anything there. Like nothing's been proven either way. Yeah. And really um, it's an, that I've seen. Yeah. For me, it, it's an order of operations error. It's your brain <laughs> is still creating imagery uh, while you're b- before your eyes process what's going on. So because yeah. it's already passed through the brain filter, it, it, it doesn't count as impossible or fantasy or, or no, what you're seeing and what you're imagining you're seeing totally feels real and your body mm-hmm. w- will not move. It's a, it's a scary thing. And then to add on top of it in this, in this story, there was a real monster to be afraid of. So, <laughs> Or was there? <laughs> or was there? Oh, and and but, to, yeah. to backtrack just a little bit, I did just look. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Strain book series, uh, as well as the TV series, w- were written, uh, co-authored by Chuck Hogan and Guillermo del Toro. And it, oh, and it, even better! It all has a very Guillermo del Toro feel to it. If you go and, Which and look amazing. at any of the artwork from the show, or li- uh, you know, take a, li- a look, or even listen to the book series, it's a great audiobook series. Um, I, I can recommend it if you like modern horror and like exploring maybe a different perspective on monsters is pretty cool Hmm. i will have to check it out yeah i don't typically go for anything that's visually horror i like horror stories for some reason yeah it's it's but post-apocalyptic horror is kind of more the theme of it it's not it's not monsters in the minority versus a feeding population no it's uh, pretty early people don't make it (laughs) <laughs> and what happens that. and what happens afterward <laughs> but i've been i've actually been listening to um sorry this is way off topic oh that's what we do here <laughs> uh another like a post-apocalyptic audio drama cool. podcast um well i think one of one of the earlier ones that i'm just now catching up to but it's called we're alive mm-hmm. and i think it's actually been made into a tv show or a movie or something but it's basically it, zombies, cool. you know, and, and surviving zombies. And so far, they're making more rational and logical decisions than uh, the Walking Dead people. Hey, that's <laughs> which something. Which is why I stopped watching Walking Dead is because nobody was making rational decisions anymore. Yeah, they were doing a bad job of being yeah, humans. They were really doing. Like, once we lost Dale, I was like, well, there goes any common sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And <laughs> Dill was still was my kindred spirit. <laughs> I was like, man, if if he can't do this, I can't do this either. I mean, he didn't have much of a choice, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And spoiler. Sorry. Spoiler, yeah, again. But it, it's I feel like <laughs> the statute, long statute of limitations has run out on Dale. Uh, it's <laughs> yeah, Dale, for sure. Yeah, that was like season two. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> See, but and I, anyway, and, and I've, I've I've seen all the way up till the current present day. And I'll tell you, if you can if you can break loose from The Walking Dead, the real world is just fine. You're you just imagine how it continued on and you're probably And that's probably it. You probably have the right idea. Yeah. Like it was it was really good and it may still be good, but I'm just like uh, I don't know. It just lost its appeal after that happened. And I, I think I did watch a little bit after and they just started making decisions that re- like i said they were logical they didn't actually make sense for what a person would do in that situation mm-hmm. they just were meant to cause drama which 
make sense. Yeah, you got to kick the beehive. It can't just be a a show about nothing. We've already had that show. But (laughs) it's really frustrating to watch that and be like, um, I don't think so. Yeah. (laughs) You know? So anyway, but um, back to sleep paralysis. Yeah. Um, Because that's, I mean, that's a huge element in the story, right? Mm -hmm. And um, like... Who's to say what's real and what's not? Yeah, I also um, I, I, I also just like to like that this this story includes uh, kind of a pharmacological aspect as well. Where yeah, he's trying definitely. all kinds of different things, and I've known so many different people that have one problem or another, and are playing the guessing game with their doctors of uh, mm-hmm. of which medication is best. What's this uh, going to react with? Is this is this really what's going on, or is it placebo? Um, and that's a really really hard thing to go through. Uh, and it, re- it is speaking from experience. I know this for sure. And I mean, it, you like it's so hard taking something, and there are side effects, and you know that there are, but you don't know which ones you'll have, or if you'll have something totally different, mm-hmm. or if you'll have nothing, or if the medicine won't work at all. Like it's just so unknown, and having to go through something multiple times just to try to figure it out, like dosage wise, or if something you'll have a better reaction in a different way or yeah. you know it's it's really hard and so and it's, it's a little scary <laughs> and so with this one there was there was a, a magic bullet pill except it had a it had a drawback as well <laughs> yeah i want to know more about hypnomax and exactly you know yeah what was going on there is there some Felt vast like conspiracy a, ruled by the, yeah. the the night hunters or or something the like 70s that? too like it makes me it's not exactly the same but it kind of like mk ultra e little to bit me, yeah you know but back sorry back to sleep paralysis i just want i just want to talk a little bit about um the differences between the p- paranormal potential of what's happening or like the scientific explanation yeah. for it right like mm-hmm. i know that scientifically when that's happening you're typically on that cusp kind of between dreaming and waking. So like anything that you might see could be a construct of your own mind. Like you were talking about. Yeah. It's also when, when the veil (laughs) is the thinnest, when exactly, when, you know, when your perception is just skewed enough or maybe even flexible enough to see you're like in a different state of mind Yeah, Mm -hmm. than normal. Um, Like you're, you're a lot closer to your subconscious than you would be in your waking states. Yeah. Or like a fully awake state, I guess. So it makes a lot of sense in both regards. Mm-hmm. And regardless, it is terrifying. Yes. <laughs> no matter what. It is it is very scary in kind of a cheatery way where it's like, ah yeah, you motherfucker. I, I'm not supposed to be scared of that. But no, yeah, it's a <laughs> it's a very scary thing, both in the reality and uh, as a as a tool in storytelling. Uh, it has a lot yeah. of supernatural kind of potential because well i think that um your body kind of releases like whatever hormones release fear like you are more scared than you know that you should be oh yeah Mm -hmm. at things yeah your heart races your you feel your blood pounding in your ears you cannot move and it feels i while i've read a lot of things that you know it's just the motor functions haven't turned on yet it's a little kind of but it feels like you are paralyzed with fear it is is the exact same feeling as being utterly stricken and unable to move for sure and i mean um there there is a creature that 
is related to sleep paralysis. So we will definitely do more about it in the future. Yeah. Some, once we get to it. We'll look up some real science instead of just speaking from <laughs> anecdotal conjecture. Exactly. So you will get more about this. Yeah. Um, but since it was such a large element of, of this tale, uh, obviously we wanted to talk about it a little bit. Um, I do want to talk about his dream mm-hmm. about like, Karen yeah, Steven. yeah. I think it was maybe more meaningful than we think because they did have two kids. They did have two kids um, later on. Um, so maybe like some sort of precognition, and with possibly. One, yeah, I'm really. Uh, one was cold, one was hot. Um, by the way, my, sad and evil. Yeah, my my D and D warlock totally has that dancing fire effect. He uh, def- <laughs> definitely he picked up that feat. Is what he has. Love it. <laughs> um i i would really be interested to know if anything more happened with these kids later on because obviously the story jumps from 81 to like today yeah and he goes from a first grade teacher to a superintendent so you know like he probably saw those kids yeah and the words they're your problem now when it's it's like you you know it's a curse that you're passing on it's it's something projected um to know that it's to know again it's a dream but to know that it's going to be twins and that they're going to be this in her life and then to just leave her there with it that's a really harsh thing for even a dream character to do (laughs) for sure and i did i did find it interesting that that he kept a journal for so long. <laughs> yeah. Um, as, no one does that. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> well, some people do. I am so bad at keeping journals. I am I, yeah. the very worst. I have I started have about a dozen. I have from Yeah. <laughs> I've got a lot of first pages of journals floating around. Yeah. Um, yep. Mine when I was 12 was like the school dances and who I danced with and who I had a crush on. All the stuff that I that really matters not mm-hmm. you know yeah the inconsequential it's stuff very and- boring mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah that's all i have from my journals yeah but and- um good on this grandfather for doing that yeah i think i but i do think that it's a good exercise to to really recollect one's day and also oh, totally. as, as, as a writing exercise it's something that i've told myself many times i really should do it and stick to it Same. um because yeah, I forget everything, so it would be a wonderful way to actually know what happened in my life because mm-hmm. I have an awful memory. <laughs> <laughs> so it would be ideal, really. And I, yeah, it's never going to happen. Never. Okay. Well, all right. Probably. Can't say we didn't try. <laughs> I know myself. <laughs> I don't know. It'd probably be easier to keep like voice journals. I don't know. That. Oh, yeah. But, well, we are. We do have a podcast that podcast, kind yes. of has, kind of works. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The same thought at the same time. <laughs> but in addition um, to rambling nonsense, we've also got stories. We do. I do want to say I was a little kind of like confused at the end on why why the main character would actually seek out and take the Hypnomax pill. Yeah, you know? like was he just thinking that it wasn't real? But. It, I mean, it definitely added dramatic effect to the end for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just it, like, it puts. Why a, would you do that? <laughs> there's a whole lot going on, and it's difficult to see what's connected. Uh, and it's fun to imagine uh, connections mm-hmm. and causes within these supernatural events. So. Yeah, I mean, he could have just been like, 
that's interesting. I wonder if there's these pills around. And then, I mean, like, he didn't actually see that that his grandpa had that scar until after he took the pill, right? So he maybe didn't have it really confirmed as real until after the fact. All in all, it was good and descriptive and scary and had a really cool creature that I want to know more about, you mm-hmm. know? And that's, I mean... That's a good story, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. I, I liked it. It was a great story. <laughs> Twas. Um, okay, so let's go on to our next tale for the evening. Mm-hmm. So this one's called It Came One Night, and it's by user allhasread7 from Reddit. And Logan is going to tell it to us now. Yeah, let's check it out. It Came One Night. This is one of those stories that seem to have happened in the darkness of past days, far, far away from us, but which ends up being way closer than it appears. The events which I'm about to describe happened in the poorest and most mysterious region of rural Spain, Extremadura, more specifically in the Comarca County of La Vera. The year was 1948, only some 60 years from now and Spain was still partially recovering from the horrors of a civil war where half the country became the hostage of a dangerous and vicious megalomaniac, the Generalissimo Francisco Franco. A semi-nomadic goat herder living in the pueblo of Harganta de Oya struggled to make a living of the land. The man was Don José Campo Pancho. The land in which he lived was fairly fertile during the colder months of the year but extremely dry, hard, and dusty during the hotter ones, in which the temperature rose to 45 degrees Celsius. In order to be able to feed his big black-horned Verata goats, this shepherd was forced to walk long kilometers during long warm days looking for green pastures and brush up in the Tormanto Sierra mountain range, which was not fairly far away from his pueblo. This meant that, of course, Don José was forced to sleep, wrapped in his manta. It was a traditional shepherd rough blanket. In between his dogs, next to a fire, and directly under the shine of the stars. This was one of those nights. As he himself would tell the villagers back home the next morning, he found himself preparing some migas out of dry bread and goat meat next to the fire under a moonless sky when it came. And it came from the night. It seemed to be a large figure wearing a dark, thick, and wide cloak with its head completely covered as well by a black hood as it was traditional for the women in this time and place. The woman appeared to be walking in between the shadows without making any sounds and stood silently just at the edge of the firelight halo moving around the herder while tilting its head some 45 degrees to the right. Quien va? asked Jose, while holding his huge Mastin Espanol, an aboriginal livestock guarding dog breed, with his right hand. He started staring and tried to see the face that was under the hood, unsuccessfully. This simple man that we know as Jose had passed a lot of time eating scarcely and knew very well what hunger was. Figuring that this apparition might only be a hungry traveler, he invited it to share his meal. Immediately, the figure resumed its turning and, facing the shepherd, moved one step forward. 
By this time, the dog was freaking out, showing his immense fangs and growling from the bottom of his chest. A second step followed the first one, and by this time, the shepherd seemed to be able to see a sinister glow under the hood that he would later describe as live coal eyes. When the third step arrived, Jose gasped and said, Dios mio guarde! May God save me. Because at this very time, Jose was able to see what he recognized as deformed hooves in place where the being's feet should have been. This caused the feature to bend over and retreat while whispering unintelligible and terrible things into the night until it got swallowed by the shadows. The next morning, Jose Campo Pancho realized that all of his goats were dead. He bent over and prayed toward the sun, glorifying it and thanking it for its light and safety. Then he headed back toward his village and proceeded to tell every one of the villagers, some of whom are family of mine, what had happened that night. People say that after that he was never the same. He started fearing everything and everyone, and would scream and shout during the night. Soon, he wouldn't even come out of his tiny stone house at the edge of the village. The situation went on for a couple of years, until one day the village woke up to realize that he had died mysteriously during the night, with his corpse deformed in what now was a horrendous grin. As to what it was he saw, well, who knows, really? This is Extremadura, a land of mystery and magic whose night is full of horrors. And this thing, this, it came from the night. All right, so now that you guys have heard this wonderful tale, I do want to say that the author that submitted this to us said, uh, quote, the story is my own dramatization of the events, but the source material is pretty real. I didn't lie when I said my own family let me know about this story that everyone utters back in the village when the night is cold and dark, unquote. Mm-hmm. So we'll post the image that um, that they sent with this story in our show notes and the links to actually a couple of articles that specifically mentioned Don Jose. So um, the picture that accompanied it was, it's a picture of Don Jose's like real life tomb. Mm-hmm. And so this is crossing the line between, you know, like typical no sleeps and like actual like events that occurred. And I wish it to be known by all listeners and, and, and you, Lindsay, that I, in, in the, in the narration, I do say Jose, which is, you know, the, 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 the new world pronunciation, but I'm pretty sure it is Jose uh, in, in Castilian. <laughs> yes. I would never guess. Yes, I, I do acknowledge the lisp that goes with Old Castilian, but yeah, it's just easier to say it in the terms of Spanish here in America. <laughs> Sorry to our Spanish fans. <laughs> yes, I don't mean to mispronounce anything, but that's just a guess. <laughs> the author will let us know, <laughs> probably. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so let's talk about the story. I do think that uh, I personally would think if I saw something like he saw this Mm -hmm. figure, this demonic figure, I would definitely think like it's a figment of my imagination or hunger, kind of like he thought. But then like the dog started freaking out. And as we all know, dogs know what's up. Oh, yeah. So it's why they're the best animals. Like that changes things, you know, it could be you individually, but when an animal starts reacting to the thing that you're also seeing, that's a whole other ball game. Yeah. You know, oh, man. Um, but it does. Sound, it sounds like some kind of, of demon. Um, it definitely especially does. Since, yeah. 
especially since it went away when he asked his god for safety, you know, mm-hmm. to keep him safe. And that's when it left. That that indicates to me potentially some sort of, you know, good versus evil thing. Sure. And and on. the traditional symbolism, especially in uh, well, in a in a Catholic country like Spain, when someone has fire in their eyes, well, that's yeah. that's either passion, rage, or demonic influence. <laughs> so. <laughs> For sure. Um I do really like the play on how night is all mysterious and dangerous, and then the day of day is safe and sane mm-hmm. and protected, you know. How that kind of crossover from this ter- terrifying night to the next day. I kinda like that. It was really cool. Yeah, it kind of the story. Kind of has a a nice note of this is not something that would easily be believed by other villagers and is something really extraordinary in this kind of pastoral kind of peaceful place. Now, now Lindsay, what did you think of at the very, very end, the, the deformed grin state that he was in? Uh, um, that was, that was pretty creepy. That was pretty creepy. You know? What do you, how do you think that happened? Uh, so th- we, this, this monster's kind of like a, I, I I picture like a humanoid chupacabra thing just because it's co- it's it's going after the goats. It's uh, it's true. It's true. I mean, we don't know that they were exsanguinated or not. But, but that being said, goats are delicious dead. anyway. So. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, it could be it could be a variety of things. I'd, I'd like to know more about what type of creatures it could be. You know, we know mm-hmm. it was cloven footed. Um, so yeah, it could the be hooves. some sort of goat demon, or it could be some sort of like fawn or satyr type creature. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what this Spanish equivalent of that technically really is. Uh, it could be a djinn. A djinn, I know yeah. that some of those appear cloven-footed. I mean, it's there's a lot. There's a whole of, lot. Yeah, when it, when it's all wrapped up in a cloth, it could be... It could be Krampus. You it, don't know. It, it could be two very short demons riding each other's shoulders in a big cloak trying to true. get into a movie theater. There's a collection a, of demons. Lots of things this could be. <laughs> um, it really could be. I mean, and also, it could be that he just snapped and he went crazy and everything declined. Yep. But with that whole horrific grin when he died, I mean, and the fact that all of his goats were dead in the morning... After yeah. he encountered that demon, it's either way. It's it's pretty disturbing, with the potential potentiality of it being true, right? Yeah, and especially since this, while it is a dramatization, it is based on real accounts, as far as I know, of a real person that came back to town and told people what happened to him. Yeah, you know, which always makes it a little bit creepier. Because of the potential, the potential reality of the situation, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't but, know. Yeah, I'd love to hear more like accounts of of people who heard this guy tell his story. You know, yeah, yeah. And I really, really like I like the setting that they chose for it. That really, it is something that but like rural. Yeah, rural and and, and historical and. Um, again, tied very much to reality. It has. It was. Mm-hmm. It was a hard time in Spain. I, my my knowledge of Spain is limited to Don Quixote and <laughs> Resident Evil Four and Pan's Labyrinth. So yeah, no, I get I get what you're coming from. There's there's a 
Netflix show that's a Spanish Netflix show that's called The Ministry of Time. Cool. And every time I watch it, it's it's really cool because, sorry, another tangent. But they, they go, essentially there's this ministry within Spain, within, within the Spanish government. And it has this spiral of, this huge spiral staircase and these doors. And all of the doors go to a different geographic location in a different time. Mm-hmm. in Spain's cool. history. So it's basically Spanish time travel and they're going back to like fix specific things so that not, so that the future doesn't change basically. That, that sounds like excellent time travel it's, right there. Yeah, it's such a cool <laughs> show. It's really really good and every time I watch it I'm like, "Ah, I wish they knew more about Spanish history because I know this character is <laughs> super important and Ooh. I know like I know very very little." Um but I mean like Cervantes showed up and I was like, yeah, I know somebody. I know that dude. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cervantes wrote Don Quixote, just so you yeah. guys know. <laughs> anyway, that's a great show. I highly recommend it. It's on Netflix. Yeah. And if anyone but, out there it lives in Spain or has been to Spain, uh, tweet us your favorite thing about Spain because clearly yeah. we're undereducated. <laughs> totally. I mean, I, I want to go to Barcelona so bad. I mean, yeah. to see the Sagrada Familia. Uh, I mean, just I want to have tapas every day. Like, I would love go to spain yeah love it it seems like a really cool and magical place (laughs) it does for sure steeped in history beautiful people amazing food like there's just no reason to not like spain yeah yeah and 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 so different from uh the other cultures around it it really has a a a very strong identity that is its Mm -hmm. own it does Um, for sure yeah so cool well well thank you so much that was a fun story yeah Thank you for letting us read that. Um, So for our next story, I do want to give a disclaimer. It's the final story of our episode. We want to give you fair warning that this tale has graphic violence and sexual assault. So if those are triggers for you or you just don't want to hear about them, you're totally fine to turn off the episode. We completely understand. Yeah, this is um, not one for the kids. Um, no, <laughs> this is the gorier end of horror, the horror spectrum. Yeah, it's not like spooky ghosties and ghoulies. So if that's not your cup of tea, it's all good. We totally get it. Um, but if you would like to continue, uh, this story is called "I Found a Snuff Film in My Childhood Goosebumps DVD Collection." It what a title! Close. I know. <laughs> Andrew Close, and his username is Symphony Sketch. Um, his Twitch name is Pen Plays, two N's and a Z. Um, he actually wrote one of the stories from our last Modern Folktale episode, which is the My Daughter's Afraid of the Dark one as well. So, same author. Well, thank you for and, that. And I'm excited yeah. to yeah, listen to another one. Yeah, so here we go. I found a snuff film in my childhood Goosebumps DVD collection. Okay, so I didn't know where to post this, so I figured I'd let you guys make heads or tails of it. But anyways, I was watching TV last week, and out of nowhere, the old Goosebumps came on some local channel I'd never seen before. But that doesn't matter. What matters is the waves of nostalgia that washed over me as I watched it. The show is a little shittier than I remember it. But it was amazing to see. After the first couple episodes were over, I called up my folks and asked them if they still had the box full of old Goosebumps DVDs. I used to record them off the TV, and I bought some of my favorites. My mom told me she still had it somewhere in the attic at their place. 
It was probably four days before I could actually head over there because work and shit. I say this because it could be my parents fucking with me, but I doubt it. I got the box, which I swear had more fucking dust than DVDs, home and in my living room. I immediately started going through and watching some of the discs. It took me a couple of days to get to the bottom. And that's when things got strange. There was a sleek black case with raised letters that simply said, Goosebumps. I figured it was an old special edition disc. I was wrong. In it was a disc. Just a plain disc. My curiosity got the best of me at 2am, so I popped the disc in. It started off on an empty screen. There was a quiet fuzz sound, like an old VHS tape would make. After a few more minutes, it cut to a found footage style video of someone walking through a parking lot at night. Nothing out of the ordinary. Until they walk up to and open the door to a car. The backseat door. The person just laid down and covered themselves with some sort of black blanket before turning the camera off. The screen was black for a minute before coming back. There was a lady driving the car now. She was laughing on the phone with someone. From how she was talking, it sounded like a sister or something. After maybe 15 minutes, she hung up. For the next 30 minutes, I watched someone watching some random lady driving a car, listening to the radio, unaware of the person in the back seat. It was unnerving, to say the least. Eventually, the woman pulled into a driveway, parked, and then got out of the car. A few minutes later, the person lying in the back picked up the camera and got out of the car as well. They were now in a small neighborhood, one of those cookie-cutter housing communities. The person who I'm assuming is male at this point headed up to the house that the car parked at. Just like the car, the door was unlocked. Seriously, this girl is pretty fucking stupid. He carefully opened the door and quietly headed in, not closing the door behind him. The camera looked around the living room that the door opened into, before turning to his left, going down the hallway. He slowly moved into a dark room, at which point he clicked a button and the camera switched to some sort of night vision. It was a small bedroom, a TV, a nightstand, and a door to what I'm assuming was a bathroom. Lying in the bed was the lady who was driving the car, and she was only in her underwear. The camera creeped closer until he was right next to the bed. He kneeled down. He brought the camera slowly up and down the woman's body before setting the camera on the bed and starting to caress the lady. He climbed on top of her as she woke up, and before she could scream, he put something over her mouth, muffling the noise. I don't know what happened then because the camera cut out. I wish it had just stayed black, or that I had turned it off. I'll never unsee what happened next. The lady was chained up by her feet, and I mean that literally. The hooks were through her feet. She was completely nude but facing away from the camera. It was a darkish room, one that looked to be some sort of run-down hotel room. An empty one, though. A door opened in the room, letting just enough light flood the room to see a pool of blood underneath the beaten body hanging above it. The lady started crying as the guy walked toward her. He set a bag down on the floor as the lady screamed for help. He opened the bag, and in it was dirty tools, pliers, hammers, a saw, screwdrivers. You get the gist. I'm not going to go into detail at what he did. He dug the pliers into her chest and snapped and ripped out one of her ribs. 
She screamed in pain and sobbed. He threw the bloody pliers on the ground and just sat down and looked up at her. It was maybe ten minutes later, the lady choked through her sobs and asked him one question. Why me? To which he simply chuckled and quietly responded, <laughs> Because your car was unlocked. Those words were going to haunt me. I was shaking and crying at this point. It was terrifying for the sole reason that there was no reason. He didn't pick her. He just found a car that was unlocked. And after staring at her for a while, he pulled out a pistol and just shot her in the head before she could even say anything, if she even could. And that was it. That's where it ended. That was like two days ago, and I still haven't slept. I swear to God that if this is just some old indie horror film that my parents bought when I was younger, not knowing what it was, thinking it was Goosebumps that I was obsessed with, I, I'm glad I never saw this when I was younger. If anyone knows what this is, please tell me. I'm going to need therapy for a while, and knowing it's fake would make me feel so much better. Whew. Okay, so All right. <laughs> that was intense. And well, we survived. Streaming. Yeah, we did. Um, the uh, yeah. whole situation is is horrible. Up. Yep. And yep. <laughs> okay, so let's unpack it. I just think about how horrifying that would be to watch, much less experience. You yeah, know? just yeah. that whole situation, especially not expecting it, expecting the goosebumps TV show. Right. Okay. Yeah. Now there's a good place to start. So <laughs> goosebumps. Goosebumps. We'll get into snuff films. We'll get into all. But goosebumps. Uh, yeah. Now that. Now that goes back years and years for you because because I actually uh, was one of the kids that liked the old show and actually I'm old enough that I liked the books. Yeah. I actually don't remember the show too well. I I read the books a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I a read lot, the books uh, before they were reprinted a zillion times. Uh, yeah. Do you happen to remember your favorite book, Goosebumps? book Lindsay. i think it was called deep water i actually looked I, I looked this up and i'm trying to remember what i looked up <laughs> like the mm -hmm. results of what i looked up because i always remembered that it had somebody swimming and like a shark like a hemorrhage shark yeah on the deep cover. water i know that i know that a cover art and I read i'm it, remembering like, a it a bunch of times because yeah. that's one thing that i was really scared of and terrified of sharks oh and Lindsay, so, while i was in florida i saw two sharks it oh, was cool no. Yeah. Are they hammerhead sharks? <laughs> no, they were nurse sharks, but sharks nonetheless. Nurse sharks are like puppies. Come now, on. Back to this snuff film. <laughs> <laughs> no, so yeah, goosebumps, but like the reason that was scary for me is because it was a thing I was scared of. So I kept reading it because that little bit of a thrill of the scare. So you, mm. goosebumps is good in the way that you could really find the thing that scared you because they were all so varied in mm -hmm. how they were written. Arlstein. He did a great yeah, job. Yeah, he really had a great way of, of doing focused, small doses of terror. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, my, my favorite was uh, The Haunted Mask, uh, one of the earlier ones in there. Mm -hmm. I, I do remember the cover art of uh, it's a small child and in front of their face is holding this twisted, grotesque, fanged mask. Um, and I think it was one of the earlier ones made into a TV show, but it was a really good book for and something. And a Jim Carrey for, movie, right? Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> but it, it, kind of dealt with, really. it kind of dealt with similar topics. It's a mask that uh, uh, 
takes over and uh, you lose your identity I d- I to the mask and become a monster. A yeah, yeah. Um, I do remember it. And and the the protagonist is kind of stuck with this horrible mask that is this symbiotic something attached to her face. So creepy. Great story. A lot of fun images and something yeah. that has stuck with me for many years. So way to so, go, R.L. Stein. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So what you can take from this story is go watch Goosebumps. Yeah, Goosebumps. Quality horror. <laughs> don't watch anything that's unlabeled as actual Goosebumps. Yeah. Or, I mean, like, okay, that's not true. This was labeled Goosebumps, but be wary yeah yeah it's hopefully it's, you don't find a snuff film there yeah and yeah. every once in a while you may stumble across something like this and it's ooh, it is yeah. it, that's rough i really want to say i hope that this is what the main character is thinking as, as in like an indie horror film yeah yeah that would I'm be hoping, much preferred obviously well, but at the same time we know that um really for for some people the recording and the uh reviewing of these acts is the allure for them um it's a horrible twisted thing that but people do so if you're ever thinking about it don't uh this thank you (laughs) this show does not condone snuff films we do not yeah um like the main things that kept going through my head when i was listening to logan's rendition of this like (laughs) what kind of tape like this kind of tape like it should be turned into police why was that dvd with his ghost ghostbumps ghostbumps goosebumps yeah, ghostbumps <laughs> is a whole different thing that doesn't yeah. exist <laughs> we should but make it right we, now i know it's like a cross between goosebumps and ghost rider which was one of my favorite shows as a kid great show oh, yeah um but like why was that dvd in his recordings like mm-hmm. was it a family member that put it there how did it get there um, is somebody in their family a crazy murderer? Yeah, that's that was kind of my thing when he talks about, oh, it's probably my parents messing with me. Uh, really? Like what kind of oh, parents do you let, have? Do we, do we want to start pulling that thread of mm. who is who is this, the, the identity of more, whoever yeah. made this video? Random family member that he's never met, you know? <laughs> or perhaps one that he had. It's, yeah, there's a lot, yeah. a lot of possibility there. Because they talked, so you'd think that maybe... That voice would click somehow if he was familiar with it or she. I don't know for sure. But um, I would think that taking that DVD to the cops, hopefully the potential familial aspect wouldn't matter. Mm -hmm. I doubt the cops would be able to do anything with it since it sounds like it's an older recording, right? Like it had that. It's a DVD, but it's had that recording sound like a VHS tape. So it could be way old. Right. Yeah, yeah, maybe somebody converted it. Um, yeah. yeah. I did find it sweet that DVDs are nostalgic for this writer. I'm like, oh, this makes me feel really old. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I it remember takes you back when to, DVDs came yeah, out. <laughs> I remember when I got the collector's edition of Lord of the Rings and then went back and bought on it. VHS? On VHS? Yeah, no, no, on, yeah. on DVD, but then went back and bought it again for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But it's in a bigger Blu-ray. box. It's in. <laughs> it's the extended edition. Yeah, th- this has thirty six <laughs> hours of footage that I may watch twelve minutes of. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. But yeah. yeah, I I would like to touch on the commentary about the intelligence of the characters in there. Well, without getting into anything that says you know the, this woman in the in the 
tape deserved it or didn't make the right choices to yeah, keep herself no. safe. But I do think that it's a it's a fun kind of side note to add because that's usually everyone's criticism of horror movies. That it's like, oh, these characters are totally... I mean, what you were saying about Walking Dead, they're not making rational decisions. They're not behaving like real people. This is totally fake. These are really right. stupid characters. Which is and, a very horror movie thing that yeah, happens. Yeah, and so for this character to have seen that and have this kind of... That's their monologue. That they're, it's, it's like they're watching a horror movie all the things that you know you could you could argue maybe they're desensitized by pop culture too yeah. but well, as you it, want it to be a horror movie too if yeah. you found something like this you want it to be a horror film yeah not let it please real. be pretend um <laughs> yeah please um, <laughs> but as as it goes you can kind of get the feeling that this character is starting to grasp the reality of what is going on um yeah and oh boy the fact that this is something that does in fact happen in the real world and more than that yeah it doesn't happen all that often it doesn't happen you know high hope high hope yeah but because it does there's a consciousness of it and there's a fear of it um so many people uh you know they they triple check to make sure their doors are locked every night because right. they imagine somebody coming into their home which you they, should yeah to, and, to be frank yes Lock everything. Lock your, Lock doors. your doors. Yeah. <laughs> Check the backseat of your car before you leave anywhere or just have junk piled up so that you definitely would be able to see somebody. <laughs> just whack it with, like uh, you know, just tire, never iron, clean out your tire car. iron. But when you sit in the car, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> just be cautious. You know, I mean, we want to live in a happy and friendly world and we don't sometimes. So yeah. just be be aware protect yourself be aware of your surroundings is is a big key to take from this i guess mm -hmm. and not that it was her fault or she deserved it in any way no 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 because she didn't lock her doors or whatever but like she would have been safer if she hadn't yeah there, there were more safety conscious choices she could have made right but there's um, no way to victim blame here because all of the fault belongs to whoever made oh, this. Oh, there's clearly a crazy person who got in her yes, car. <laughs> there is a batshit crazy person who should be jailed and institutionalized for yeah, sure. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, this is so not okay. This is this is definitely a story about a monster and uh -huh. one that um, is, is a little difficult. It's real. It's real. Yeah, because we can't deal with it with talismans and avoiding the full moon. Yeah. It's something that you just hope you don't meet someone like that. And that's really not enough to uh, really let somebody feel safe at night. So really just watch out for each other out there. I guess that's a good place to leave it on. Uh, really try to just keep an eye out for one another out there and don't let anyone feel like they're really alone because it's, that's yeah, a scary thing. Mm -hmm. It's very true. So, I mean, it was a rough tale uh, yeah. just due to its content, but still interesting. I mean, it's good to think about these kinds of things in the way of helping you not get in these situations. Yeah, so as I a cautionary be, tale, it's every bit as effective yeah, as, sure. as, as a Grimm's fairy tale. So take uh, that, from, <laughs> take that from this. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but uh, that's all the tales that we have for you guys. Yeah, tonight, so that's a good batch of stories. A nice, uh, yeah. yeah, nice to be back, and uh, good to see you, Linz. Talk to uh, see what's going on for springtime. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Let's and, um, let's 
round this out with our promo and finish this up. So our promo for this week is for a show that's called October Pod. And it is a monthly retro horror show that that tells horror stories, true and otherwise. And it tells them alongside found footage on their YouTube channel. But they also have a podcast version, if that's your cup of tea, which it very well might be because you are currently listening to a podcast yeah, right now. Yeah, you <laughs> clearly have access to podcasts. You do. <laughs> you may prefer them. So, um... We are going to play their promo for you right now and have links for you in our show notes. See you All right. Let's check it out. It broadcasts at 1.38 a.m. from the very center of hell. October pod. Finally, a retro horror show which offers to bold individualists, a look into the maddening space between nightmare and nostalgia. True horror stories and found footage beyond anything you've tested. Octoberpod, offered by octoberpodvhs.com, in black and white and color, caution, To avoid fainting, keep repeating. It's only on YouTube. Only on YouTube. Only on YouTube. Only on YouTube. Stream as much as you can. All right, so as always, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Folklore on the Rocks. You can find us on Twitter at Folklorocks! <laughs> um, pictures, <laughs> notes, sources on our website at folkloreintherocks.com. We do have a Patreon. We have cool, interesting prizes and stuff you can get from that. We have a PayPal button on our website if you want to donate that way. We are still still doing free stickers if you write a review and send a screenshot in to us. If you don't want stickers, that's fine. Uh, yeah. We still ask to please rate us and leave a review on iTunes. Yes, it please. really helps. Um, helps us know that we're doing well. It helps other people find us. And once we do hit that 100 reviews, we're going to be doing a bonus episode with a listener-selected creature. So it could be anything. Yeah. Um, which is, I think, I think that's a really good incentive, personally. Yeah. But I could I'm, be wrong. I'm, I'm a little bit just, I guess tentative is the right word i'm not i'm not worried but i do have a feeling that whatever gets thrown our way as a listener selection will be a real doozy i'm really kind of hoping that we get something really (laughs) i want to stump us yeah send us on on a on an expedition for knowledge so that we can find something to report about whatever you select or just pick the biggest baddest thing that's out there i don't care (laughs) (laughs) we're up for anything yeah um so just Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your family members about our tell show. Tell them twice. Yeah. <laughs> get the word out for us. Uh, word of mouth is the best marketing we can possibly get. And finally, I mean, just thanks for listening, you guys. Yeah. Tune Hopefully, in uh, next yeah. Sunday. <laughs> Hopefully you'll join us again. Thanks, everybody. Bye.